Welcome to SEC Football Live, uh, Week 5 edition, recapping Week 4, looking ahead to Week 5. And yes, Missouri finally getting some love from someone other than you, Brian, Brian, M-I-Z. Uh, I will say this, and we're off and running here, Aaron Dugan, SEC Mike, Mike Bratton, Braden Golf, 440 Sports, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, here's the deal about M-I-Z. I'm pretty sure that if you listen to this show, SEC Football Live all summer, if you listen to Mike's show, that SEC podcast all summer, I'm pretty sure we told you guys that we really like this Missouri football team. So we're not going to take any victory laps yet. They have to beat Aaron's Commodores first. So they got to do that first. And then we can start taking <laughs> then we can start taking some victory laps. Aaron, how are you, Mike? How are you guys? What's up? Good. Missed y'all last week. Mike, oh, how you doing? I just can't believe Braden's getting negative. We're 10 seconds in. He's like, well, if they lose to Vanderbilt here, oh my God. No, they're going to take <laughs> care of business. I think they're going to take care of business. I think they're going to. Okay. Brady, Cook, Brady Cook and Eli Drinkwitz, unprecedented offensive success and efficiency right now. So we'll get to a lot of stuff to do today uh, on the pod. So, um, all right. We appreciate you guys. If you want to jump in and ask questions, please, l- let's go. Uh, RC, Look at this who has one. 100? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know you think Kroger is better than the swamp. So you, uh, you almost have to pick Kentucky. I would shop at any grocery store other than Kroger uh, <laughs> unless they want to sponsor the show. And then in which case we'll take their money, which is totally yes. fine. We're not um, about no, really anything. Listen, the more things change, the more things stay the same, folks. Uh, Alabama and Georgia and LSU still the cream of the SEC for now. We've got a couple of chances. What? We've got a couple of chances at, up to, uh, at upsets this weekend as both uh, Alabama and Georgia on the road as two touchdown favorites against two tough teams. We shall see. Uh, what is this? Braden said you said Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, it is. They were picked sixth. I picked them higher than the media. What are you talking about? Mm. Kyle. Cam. Kyle's got receipts. That's fine, Cam. That's fine, Cam. <laughs> fine, Cam. Um, all right. We got Texas A&M, Arkansas, which is a, a fantastic game if you like just sheer absurdity. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams played pretty well last week. Arkansas and a loss to LSU, obviously. And uh, we'll get to what that means for the team. LSU Ole Miss point spread is fascinating, so we'll get into that. Uh, Alabama proving that they are still kind of Alabama, sort of. And what does it mean? We'll see what happens. Or is there a bigger problem with the conference? I want to ask you guys first and foremost, though. Uh, Brian Thomas, LSU, five catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns. He was electric for LSU down the field, making big plays. Malik Neighbors, same thing, eight for 130 and two touchdowns. Luke Hayes for, for Arkansas was huge in that game, the, t- the, the young tight end there. Xavier Leggett, who I'm not sure Mississippi State knew was on the football field at any point during the game. Uh, 189 yards, two touchdowns. Luther Burden, 10 catches, 177 yards. Uh, Griffins <laughs> averaged for Mississippi State, averaged 36 yards a catch. Uh, Ricky Pearsall, uh, Barry and Brown both went over 100 yards as well. Brock Bowers had over 120 yards and two touchdowns. Um, there are no good running backs apparently in this conference, <laughs> but the receiving is great. Are we seeing some quarterback play that's gotten better? Are we seeing improvement where we want to see it at the game's most important position now, four weeks in? Mike, you want to start? Well, I guess because they're playing SEC defenses, making them look good. That's about all I can say to that. But Captain negativity over there. (laughs) Okay. No, I mean, there's good. The quarterbacks we thought are good are good, I guess. But Spencer Rattler's been incredible. He's red hot. Uh, But, no, I I don't think they've turned some massive corner. I'm trying to think of of who you'd be considering in there. Connor Wigman's been excellent. Then he he got injured, unfortunately. So, uh. No, and where's the running back? I, again, this is what we talked about last week, Braden. I don't think it's the, the running backs. I don't think it's the quarterbacks. I think it's uh, this epidemic in all 
forms of football of offensive line development being in the in a worse shape than it's maybe ever been. And I, I think that's been critical. I mean, I think through I guess you could say a few different things. I mean, maybe it would be too quick of an evolution to say this is all due to the, the game changing. We know that there's a lot more like, you know, that quick that quick offense and like making big chunk plays. And I do think that Mike, you probably have a point that some of it is like an underdeveloped offensive line, but this is right around the time that we should be seeing those offensive lines start to gel together. If they're going to, I'm not saying they're not going to continue to improve, but I feel like that first, like, you know, that beginning of the season and like moving into conference play, like you've got to start figuring it out. in like the first, second game of conference play, if you hope that it's going to be able to come together and maybe we'll start to see a little bit more action from running backs at that point. But I do think that you're right, that that could be a big reason why the ball is having to be played through the air so much. Kyle, Kyle makes a great point. Where would you rank cook? And this is my theory, Mike, because I think your theory on offensive line play is accurate. I also think there's a, a, a very interesting study taking place on all levels of football about the too high safety look taking away big plays. That is what the NFL is doing across the board. We saw it uh, against all the best quarterbacks right now. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, doesn't matter. They're running too high safety looks, taking away the big plays. Their defenses are coming around on how to play against these super quarterbacks because we've been doing it for about 10 years. That being said, uh, that was not the case in the South Carolina-Mississippi State game where defense in the secondary was completely optional. Not the same thing as what I saw in the Arkansas-LSU game. And this is to your question, Michael. I think K.J. Jefferson played his best game of the season. Does that mean does that mean that the offense is changing or he's getting in rhythm with Dan Enos in a tough environment against one of the best teams they've played this year? I say that's progress. Brady Cook is playing the best two games of his entire life. To me, that's progress for a Missouri offense that was – it's taken some time with a new coordinator. Jalen Milrow, for all of his faults, and is not good in the intermediate passing game, the dude averaged 14 yards per attempt in an easy win over a ranked Ole Miss team. So again, not suggest Graham Mertz playing the best football of his career. My, my point is, is we had all these new quarterbacks and all these new coordinators, and all of a sudden we're starting to see a little bit better quarterback play. Jaden Daniels is playing the best. Will Rogers had the best game of his of his season. Like Spencer Rattler's been pretty good since week one. I, I just want to, I, I think the quarterback play is coming around. Is it as good as the Pac-12? No. Are they going to win Heisman's? No. But are they on good enough teams with good enough players around them in the systems that maybe we could start see? Like Max Johnson stepped in and what a luxury for Texas A&M to have a guy with that much experience behind him. I just think we're starting to see a little bit better quarterback play. Maybe I'm crazy. No, but I mean, this is what, this is what a lot of coaches talk about. And, um, uh, Kirby Smart talked about it um, in his pre- press conference after the game because, you know, people are looking ahead to next week and, like, how's Carson Beck going to do moving into, like, you know, this – I think Georgia plays, what, Auburn at Auburn, I yes. believe. And yeah. so he's like, you know, the the problem is that you can't simulate it until you're on the road and you're playing against these teams, SEC-level teams. You really don't know what's going to happen. Like, is Carson Beck prepared? Yes. But do you know how that's exactly going to play out? No. And I think that's exactly what you said, Braden. There's really no replacement for someone like Max Johnson having the experience he has at this level in the conference. And and, and um, I want to go back to Liquid Flames, your question, in, in just a second. But Carson Beck, every game has been better. He's gotten better every game. This will be by far his toughest test. And we'll get yep. into the discussion about playing on the road, you know, at, at Auburn. Uh, Liquid Flames, though, says, why, though? Why are the offensive lines not good at any level? What is causing it? Um, my, my theory is that it's one of the toughest positions to evaluate and develop. And that the game itself is just like seven on sevens happen year round. 
So quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs are throwing and doing reps 12 months a year. Offensive linemen just only have like a camp and then 14 games or 13 games to get up to speed. And I, Mike, I don't know if that's where you're going with it, but that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I knew, I don't, I don't have an answer and, but it's clear. I mean, the NFL's, they, they've been ringing the bells for a while and that I think it's now it's filtered down. Maybe it's the offenses that we're running now in college as well. They're just, you know, we've gotten away from kind of murder ball as, as even hell Bama says they're going to play murder ball. And then they, they let South Florida sack them seven times. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not, not even the, the five stars across the board are, are working anymore. So I, I honestly, I have no idea why, but it's, it's clear to me that it, it's a real issue. But it's like it, it works as a unit, too. So one person, you know, one person misses or there's one thing that falls apart and the whole thing does. It's not just like, you know, if one person's off, it's going to be a slightly like the, the play has less potential. Like the whole thing could fall apart if it's not working as a unit, which is probably why it feels which is why the gelling is so important. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, Jesse's on fire, by the way. Tennessee hot garbage going to be exposed <laughs> Saturday night. Here's the next one. Still waiting for a single podcaster commentator to grab reality with both hands and admit that Tennessee got skull drug at the swamp. They do not deserve to be ranked. I'm not sure who's not said that. They got destroyed yeah. on the line of scrimmage. He's been they, talking shit for nine months, and I can't wait to see what he says on Monday because he won't even be here. He'll be in his hole. <laughs> you know, he's, he ain't coming for the next couple of weeks, so he won't hear a single podcaster next week either when Carolina <laughs> loses by 35 points in Neyland Stadium. I can't, I can't wait for that. We'll, you we'll do see. Have to, you do have to tune into the podcast to hear what they have to say. That, that, right, that part right. is true. Listen, I think everybody has openly admitted that Tennessee – I think we said – Tennessee shit down their leg and Florida punched him in the face. Like, I don't know what else you want us to say about. No one Florida said game. anything other. I mean, they I, just right. mocked Tennessee relentlessly, right. even on both these shows that we do. You know what? Here, here's the deal. Tennessee has that. We, we, we're going to bounce all over the place today. Tennessee has the number one defense in the SEC right now, but not against the team that mattered. <laughs> like they, they have the number one defense in the SEC from an efficiency standpoint and from a yards per play standpoint. And that's because the numbers are really, really good against Virginia, Austin P and UTSA. They are not good where when they had to line up and play a real football team, which they're going to have to play this week. Now, I don't know if South Carolina can do what Florida did in terms of physicality along the offensive line, but South Carolina's got dudes that can run around in space, <laughs> and that's a problem for Tennessee. And uh, they are a 12.5-point favorite at home. I think there's a lot of reven revenge and, and mental part of this coming up, so we, we can get into that game in a second. Um, do you guys want to talk about Bama, though? Can we talk Bama? Yeah, why the hell are you hyping them up? I knew uh, that was coming. Only, only, what is it, 2006? The last time a team not named Alabama, LSU, or Auburn played in the SEC championship game, I believe. Unless I'm, that's unless great. I'm wrong. That's, that's got nothing to do with this season. So, uh, Ole Miss is on the verge of being eliminated. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M could be dangerous. We're not sure yet. We'll find out. They did a, a very impressive showing on defense. That <laughs> Auburn, Auburn ran more plays than they had passing yards. Like, <laughs> Just think about that for a second. They ran 64 plays. They had 56 passing yards. So AM has a chance. Ole Miss is on the verge of not being involved. LSU is still very much a contender on the road. But Bama didn't even play that great of a game, and Ole Miss wasn't close. Mm -mm. Like it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a contest. They 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 came out and punched Alabama in the face on the first drive with really good scheme and some really interesting play calls. And Jackson Dart's fun to watch. They averaged one point, Ole Miss, 1.9 yards per carry. Jalen Milrow hit big plays the, most of the game. Like, I don't, 
I told you, what did I tell you last week? 24 to 7? So our, what? So oh, wait, not here. If that's what you were thinking, so why, so why are we hyping them up? I mean, Ole Miss is not good. They played Tulane, who Vanderbilt recruits 20 spots higher, according to the composite, than Tulane. Tulane didn't have their quarterback, and I realized, idiots, well, it was a 17-point game. Well, I don't think they watch that game because Jackson Dart, he had to make an incredible play on fourth down. Fourth down a, yeah. a guy totally unblocked coming at him. You're not going to make that play in the SEC. Then they hit like a 60-yard field goal, and then that Tulane backup quarterback that was awful made a horrible turnover, and they scooped sure. and scored, and it's okay, a 17-point okay. game. They, the they can't run the ball, and if you cannot run the ball against Tulane, against Georgia Tech – you ain't going to do it in the SEC, and if this Ole Miss can't run the ball, they have nothing. They have nothing. And and Alabama does have a good defense, so I don't know why in the world anybody thought that was going to be a competitive game. Credit to you. You didn't say it was. I didn't say it was. But how are we going to look at a home win as a touchdown favorite over Ole Miss, Lane Whiffin? He can't win a big game to save his life. Okay. And now we're saying, we're back, baby. We're no, going to win the I, championship. He Alabama's said not. He decreed. said not as as bad as maybe some people. I, I here, to Aaron's point, like I literally have not changed a single thing about how I feel about Alabama before the Texas game, after the Texas game, before the Ole Miss game. They are not good enough to win the SEC championship. They are not good enough to make the playoff, and they're not going to win the Natty. I don't know how many times you just I called have them the cream that. of the SEC, though. With they might know I said Georgia and A and M. There is clearly nobody on a tier with Georgia, LSU, and Alabama right now. A and M has a chance to prove it. AM has all the opportunities. They got to do it this week against, uh, you know, in a, in a rivalry in which they basically dominate, but always weird shit happens against Arkansas. Like maybe they have to do it with a backup quarterback. I, I don't know. And, and they still have a lot to prove. But Alabama, like you just ripped on Ole Miss, right? Mississippi State, they're better than Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Auburn mm -hmm. can't get a first down. I, I mean, like there's Ole Miss is still better than the rest of the SEC West. So the more we talk about this, better than Arkansas, they just went toe to toe with LSU. Who lost to BYU? Like I, I like Arkansas. I just am trying to say, none. Of, there's a reason it's been t since 2006 that one of those bottom half teams has won the division, and it's not going to happen this year. So it comes down to LSU at Alabama again, just like it always does. And my point is, is that I'm not picking Alabama to win anything. I'm just saying they're still the team. LSU and Bama are still the teams to beat, and they're still going to play in the first week of November, and the winner's probably going to go to Atlanta. And Alabama's not, like, we see these teams, I mean, LSU obviously is, get, is starting to figure their, their shit out, but there are some teams, whether it's Texas A&M, whether it's Alabama, sometimes it's Arkansas, where you're like, see these improvements, and you're like, okay, we're, you know, they're getting better. And then we will just see this horrific fall off, like what the hell happened this week, like inconsistencies. Bama traditionally with very few exceptions but some gets better over time like I think we're going to see we start Alabama Alabama started lower than we expected and thought but they're just going to keep doing this even if they don't show up as their normal selves so I think that it would be very very dangerous to discount that they aren't just as competitive as you're saying they're going to be Braden by the end of the season I just don't see them going backwards even though they started way they, they did not start where we thought they should I guess I just like to live dangerously because I still see at A and M that's a loss. LSU's I, I a loss. Tennessee could be a loss. At Kentucky, Tennessee at at Auburn. I mean, I think they could lose all these damn games. So Arkansas, if KJ gets hot again, I, I well, listen. I'm, I mean, I've been picking. That, I've been picking. I've been picking them to lose to A and M all summer. So I'm not changing that. 
opinion. I think LSU is in Tuscaloosa after a bye week, though. I do think that A and M, Arkansas, Tennessee, even though Arkansas is not on the same level, is that's that's quite a. I mean, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A and M, Arkansas, Tennessee, and then a bye is not an easy. It's not no. an easy order of things, but they do no, have no. that bye before the LSU game. So maybe that maybe that helps them out. My, that second half of the season is Alabama should, I don't know. I, I guess it comes around to, it comes back to like, who's better? And LSU is the only answer Yeah. in the, in the West, in the West. I'm not talking right. about the East. I'm not talking about the East. A&M. And, and I, I, that's my caveat is they could be, but when, <laughs> how Talent, many, but not the consistent, how many times have we been down this road with A&M? And I love what I saw last week. Defense, one of the best performances of the season, uh, Auburn stopping Auburn on offense. I don't know if that's a great accomplishment or not. Like I, I think Hugh Freeze is going to be good eventually, but man, that was tough to watch. That was really hard to watch. And credit to A and M for how well they played. Wigman's day to day. I don't know if I believe that. You need him healthy for the Alabama game, so I think you want to see Max Johnson start this week against Arkansas. And if you beat Arkansas, that's two quality wins in conference for A and M. Momentum heading into the Bama game, and Arkansas's three straight losses. They're 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 out of it at this point. It doesn't mean they're not good teams, but like. Who's better? And I don't right now it's LSU at Bama and, and I can't figure out like Tennessee. You can't tell me that Tennessee's played better football than Alabama. They have not. They have not even the only time they were challenged. They got skull drug. They have not been challenged yet. Alabama's at least played a good team and beat their ass. So I don't I don't know what else you want. I mean, wasn't UTSA ranked in the preseason? <laughs> no, they weren't. They also were I saw their, somewhere they were. They were, they were on their third quarterback. Come on, dude. And by the way, they cut. They let UTSA cut it to two scores or whatever in the third I mean, that, quarter. Like, that guy's good. McCone or whatever, the, whatever yeah, his name yeah. was. He's elite. Um, all right. Either way, and uh, let's get to let's get to Ole Miss then, because the Ole Miss a part of this equation, and I think Vegas is telling you something. Mm-hmm. Two and a half points is they are begging you to gamble on LSU. They're begging you to put everything you own on LSU, which means they think Ole Miss is going to play very well. The question is, can LSU one dimension or can excuse me, Ole Miss one dimensionally with a few injuries in the receiving core? Can they go down the field and attack LSU secondary, which clearly is their biggest weakness? We've, we saw KJ Jefferson do it. We saw Jordan Travis in Florida State do it. Vegas is telling you that Ole Miss will be able to go down the field. The question is, can they win the game at home without any semblance of a running a running attack? Hmm. I mean, Lane Kiffin said it himself in his post game press conference that obviously the off the coaching on offense needed to be better, which is sometime you know this this time was not just coach speech. It, it, that's true. And then talking about the implementation of different schemes on offense, and I think if you can't diversify the game at all. It's going to be extremely challenging against LSU. I would if this is one of those times where if you're going to bet, I would. This is Braden's right. Vegas is begging you to take LSU in this game, and I don't think with, I just haven't seen enough um, like diversification on offense from Ole Miss to actually think that they could pull this off against LSU. It, to me, I would take LSU all day, even with a much bigger spread than that. How soon after Ole Miss loses this game do we hear Lane Kiffin the Michigan State rumors? Oh God, he would, he would never, he would never, he I would know never he leave wouldn't, the. We got to start leave. the rumors, right? Oh, I guess we do. Yeah, sure. Because uh, because it is not working in Oxford. I think they're Lane they're over Kiffin his... to Lane Kiffin to Northwestern. <laughs> let's, start, let's start the rumors. Uh, listen, they're I, I I think this is a good Ole Miss team, and this is where I find 
the SEC to be more interesting than other conferences because they're deeper and they're better and they're more talented. But there's a lot of really good, interesting football teams that are going to have like five and six losses this year. Mm -hmm. And it's because the balance Ole Miss is going to be nine and three, let's say, hypothetically. They still got Georgia. (laughs) Jesus. If they go nine and three with that schedule, that will have been a a pretty damn good season historically for Ole Miss football. And I think it's I think it's a, a good year. But if they lose this game to LSU at home, they're zero and two to the de- the best two teams in the division. They still got A and M. They still got Georgia. Like it, it's just not your year at that point. And what do you think is going to happen, Braden? I don't. I think. I think it's a. Sh- I actually think it's a shootout. You do honestly. Yeah. I, I, Mike, I don't what know about what... you? Well, how you operate? I didn't mean to. Yeah. No. I appreciate any time you cut him off, but um... <laughs> that time it was next. I, I do want to I want to throw I want to go a little bit different direction here because this is this is what I'm hearing and I, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. But they, you know, I I believe they got a GM down there. They try to run it like an NFL franchise down in Oxford. As crazy as that sounds, but well, that's they, every that's every team basically now. Right, but they are they are even more so with I mean hell Lane, Lane calls them free agents. He doesn't call them transfers, and that's what they are. They're they're free agents. But what I'm hearing down there is there's problems. And I think it's uh, they've misallocated where to spend money on certain positions on the roster, and mm-hmm. the positions they've they've spent money on they're getting nothing from, like Judkins, like two backup quarterbacks that don't see the field. When you could have thrown all that money at Keon Coleman, and they try, you know, they tried, but they got outbid by Florida State. Again, that's I'm not saying anybody cheated here because that's, no, that's all the within the yeah. rules, but yeah. they screwed up their funds. And it, I think it's shown in a big way. And who's that on? I, I mean, I think it's on Kiffin again. I, I, I think they royally screwed this up. And I think there's locker room issues now. And mm. again, this is just this is the nature of the game. And I'm not saying this is a problem at everywhere, but I think it's a real problem at Ole Miss right now. And yeah. I, I think the wheels could fall off here pretty soon. Uh, the schedule is very hard. Uh, John Berger says, you guys are talking based on past and recruiting rankings. I don't think that's true. Georgia and Missouri are what you need to be talking about. We'll get to them. They, those are two very important teams to talk, talk about. We've got a whole hour here. So I will uh, say we're his, focused on the West right now. I will say that we probably we could give Georgia like a little bit more time. They're just been so far ahead of we. There hasn't been much to talk about. We talked about it last Two weeks yeah. ago, we're like, yeah. we don't know what to say yet because nothing's happened. Like, they're still clear. This is the first week. This yeah. is the first week to talk about them, and 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 finally, we'll, so we'll get to coming. do that. We'll get to do that in a second. But again, th- th- to me, this uh, that's interesting theory on the chaos behind the scenes. I- I'm not surprised with the coaching staff that Lane Kiffin has assembled that there is chaos behind the scenes. <laughs> I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone who knows anything about the conference. Um, so just throwing that out there, it does not mean that they still can't score points this weekend against LSU. I, I think they're going to score a bunch of points because they can go Jackson darts that good. By the way, do either of you watch the godforsaken shitty ass television show Outer Banks on Netflix? Either one of you. Uh, that's mm-hmm. such an Aaron Dugan show. You're telling me you've not watched it? Um, no. <laughs> For those in the comments. Brayden thinks I'm pretty basic is what he's trying to say. <laughs> no, not and at I all. Don't- I don't watch Outer Banks. It's very influencery, you know. It's like here, here's the. Here's I've worked the, for, in sports my whole career. I'm not an influencer. Here, here's the question for the commenters: Is Jackson God. Dart is Jackson Dart a pogue or a kook? That's what I want to know. And if you've seen the show, so you know clearly what I'm you watch about. it. I, I listen. <laughs> I I had a very uh, interesting medical procedure take place, and uh, I had some time in the bed. 
So I had to watch some shit. Yes, exactly. I had to watch something to get my mind off what was going on. Uh, so Pogue or Kook, I want to know what people think about Jackson's art. I think he's going to score some points. I think they can go down the field and score some points. And I think it's going to be, I, I, I think it's a high scoring game. I just think LSU scores more, but I don't like that two and a half point spread. That scares me. Um, I, I think Mason Smith and Perkins and those guys, I think they get after Jackson Dart a little bit, and uh, that's what Alabama did. Look, look, they scored on the first drive. They got three points on th- on eight drives after that. That's that's not good offense for Ole Miss. So we'll see. No, it's not. But he's going to need a little bit more from the line. In order We're all on LSU. Is that what I'm hearing? Maybe maybe they should give him another raise. Okay. <laughs> Bo says Bo says I've seen it. They aren't they aren't pokes. Yeah, I, I agree. Jackson Dart is probably a kook. I agree. Uh, all right, uh, let's talk Georgia then, since the people the people want to talk about Georgia. I, I still don't know what we're going to learn about the Georgia defense. I, I don't see how Auburn challenges them. I, I, it doesn't matter which quarterback Hugh Freeze trots out there. That was godforsaken awful football last week. Georgia's had a few moments where they've given up some plays, but like by and large, it's been a you know they're not as good as twenty twenty one, but they're pretty damn good. I think this is more about testing Carson Beck and yeah. how many how many interesting throws. Does he have to make? I don't even know what that means. Uh, <laughs> you got how, it. How many interesting throws does Carson Beck have to make against what is a, a decent defense on the road in a hostile environment? That, that's what this is about. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that Dancing with the Stars comment. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this game to me is is about learning about Carson Beck because the the offense is starting to pick up some steam. Starting to get some guys back, Lab McConkey back on the practice field. That could be huge for Carson being a, a security blanket type. So, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a shutout here, basically. And, and now I don't know if you, you guys have seen it, but Hugh Freeze is out here saying, I don't know why we're not doing the RPO. You know, I don't know why we've gotten away from that. I'm having a hard time not calling the plays, but I don't understand the terminology. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is not what you want to hear from – Particularly that coach who, you know, you know, made a big deal about giving up play calling duties. I've never done it before, and he he's already kind of stolen some of that back already. I I don't know. I I think it could be a real struggle, and certainly he's been trying to warn the fans that these next couple of weeks are going to get ugly. And boy, was it ugly as can be last Saturday. And it's you know this is even a better team, although you're getting them at home. That's that's the only saving grace. You, I mean, we kind of, I referenced it earlier when we are talking about Kirby Smart, just about that it's really hard to, you know, you can't simulate that environment until you're there. You, you don't know what it's like. Um, but, I mean, it's not like Carson Beck doesn't have, like, a lot of experience under his belt. This is going to be one of those things, in my mind, like, you take, like, practice tests, standardized testing in grade school, and then, like, you take the PSAT, but it, like, still doesn't really matter, but, like, it seems more official, and then you have to take the SAT and it'll actually matter. This is like, they're not going to lose. It's not going to affect, like, it, that's not happening. It'll just be a figure-it-out moment, and then they'll be able to move on. The only thing Kirby Smart really said that he was, and he did not say he was worried about it, he said the, you know, Auburn's, like, transfers and their options with, like, new talent has added to their depth. Um, but, and, you know, maybe that sh- exposes like some weaknesses with Carson Beck, just having to play against a team like Auburn. But at the end of the day, it's just going to end up being a learning experience. Nothing detrimental is going to happen as I think probably everyone, it's probably one of the only things that most people in this, on this live show can agree on. Uh, 31 to three is probably where I'm going. 
with that game. <laughs> like, there's no chance Auburn moves the football. This is exclusively about w- collecting data on Carson Beck. This is by far his toughest situation, toughest defense, toughest environment. If you notice the targets for Brock Bowers going way up the last couple of weeks, they are ramping him up for conference play. They wanted to protect him early in the season, not take too many hits because he just wants to truck stick everybody. So they're like protecting him from himself. <laughs> and now you're seeing the targets get get picked up a notch. I bet you, you see him targeted a lot this weekend. Um, so we shall see. By the way, uh, Brian says Brady Cook is the Pogue King. We've got Bo saying Max Johnson is a Pogue. So they get it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, this did is ex- you, this did is you guys see what uh, Kirby Smart said after? I don't know if you if you saw the statistic, but apparently he's got the best record of any coach after a hundred games. Uh, you know, better than Bear Bryant, better than Nick Saban at Bama, better than anybody. He he's got the best record ever after a hundred games in the SEC. And he said, "Well, I probably hadn't played anybody. That's why." <laughs> <laughs> I want to say he had the. I want to say he has like the number two. He had the number two winning percentage before like the season even season even started. I think. Yeah, eighty five and fifteen. I think they I said say. after a hundred. That's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. Um, there's no question. I think like Spurrier's up there. Saban's up there. I think uh, in terms of total wins and then win percentage. I think it's Saban and Urban. I think Urban Meyer, Saban, and Smart are your three top winning percentage coaches, but that's off the top of my head. So don't, don't hold me to that. So, um, all right, you want to, you guys want to talk, uh, quickly, let's talk Missouri. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of you Tigers fans in the audience. Uh, here's what I want to 8.9 yards per play against Memphis. I know they gave up a couple plays on defense early, but they largely had that game in hand against Memphis stiff arm, two back-to-back wins, 8.9 yards per play. Number two, best offensive output in Eli Drinkwitz's Missouri career. You got to go back to the win over SEMO in 2021, to see them do have a better offensive performance, 542 yards, that sixth best all time. Uh, and then Brady Cook, back-to-back 300-yard games, almost 700 yards passing in two games. Luther Burden was was first of all. I don't did, did Memphis know that he was in the game? Like I again, same thing with South Carolina, and like some of these secondaries are like, are you guys coaching anybody <laughs> like to, to cover the best player on the team? Uh, all that matters here, though, is go to Vanderbilt. And handle your business and set up the game with LSU next weekend. That is what matters to Missouri. Yeah, and converting on third down, that'd be nice. Because that, that's going to kill you in SEC. Every every nice thing you said. I'm not trying to bring them down, but they got to get better on third down. I, I think they went 0 for, 0 for 8, 0 for 9, something like that. So that, they, they got to get that cleaned up. But, yeah, Brady Cook, They it's funny because now I'm hearing from them that He's the best quarterback in the SEC. Well, they wanted his ass bench two weeks ago. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's yes, that's did. fandom at its finest, right there. So, yeah. so credit Brady for uh, you know silencing the doubters and, and getting people. Hell, they booed him at home at the Kansas State game. Let's well, not people forget that. People weren't happy that. with Eli a couple weeks ago either. Exactly, and and right now he's probably leading coach of the year right now in the SEC. So, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> big trap game because if they drop this, what all yeah. that. Sam Horn, fire. Let's let's promote Kirby Moore to head coach. I mean, all that's going to start uh, if they if they don't get to LSU undefeated. So the, this is a big game. I love this conference so much. The best two games in a coach's career. We're like, nope. If, if it doesn't win this one, it's over. Uh, they are six. They are sixteen of forty four, thirty six percent on third down. That is eleventh in the SEC. So they've got to solve that problem uh, for sure. Vanderbilt has not exactly stopped people 
no. uh, in, in that department. Before uh, we totally uh, move on, I think like I what did work for Missouri or what has worked, is I think they're like a very tight knit unit. Like those guys love their coaching staff, especially Eli, and it's very mutual. I don't know if there's maybe something under the scenes. It's like a little bit less tangible of like, Hey, let's show up and show them that they're wrong. Cause I do think there's a very strong bond between him as a coach and his guys. So I don't know if they were all trying to show it for each other, but whatever they're doing seems to be working. I just think that there's some like tight bonds in that program. Yeah. I can get behind that. Uh, Chris says Jimbo retires at Aggie land with at least two titles. Absolutely. Wow. Hmm. That's a bold, that's a bold cry. Two more. Here's a question. Two more rings. Is he talking about Utah one State more, Aggies? One more ring. <laughs> or the old Can- Kansas State used to be the Aggies, right? Maybe he goes and coaches at Kansas State. Uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, we didn't really touch on that game, by the way. I don't know if you guys have any quick thoughts on that. I think A&M got after the quarterback last week. Uh, Arkansas's offensive line. Supposed to have Rocket Sanders back, maybe. This week, we'll, we'll see. Always a very strange game. Uh, this is a – if A&M wants to be taken seriously, you got to go win this one. You've won, what, 10 out of 11 since moving to the league? in this series, but it's always been wild and crazy. So before we move on to, to Kentucky and Florida, where I, you know, apparently I'm going to hundred dollars says I pick Kentucky um, as a favorite at home, a uh, uh, and Arkansas thoughts. It's going to be the drunkest game of the weekend in the SEC. That's always a safe bet. Double doink, you know, crazy special teams plays just, it, it'll get wild. No doubt, but quarterback sneaks from the three yard line. Yeah, uh, God, that was that was awful. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think people writing off Arkansas. I think that's, and again, we. I mean, we, it's so reactionary. I, I don't think Auburn is good at all. So and they made A and M look particularly good. But hell, as awful as Auburn was, I mean, they were in that ball game without even scoring. That was Jimbo an offensive <laughs> touchdown in the game? So um, I don't know. I think these two right now are a lot closer. Than yeah. people anticipate, and I, I think the spread kind of reflects that. Uh, Jimbo Fisher in the game, one of the craziest things I've ever seen in college football. Jimbo Fisher in a play, and they the didn't even flag him. I, what are they doing? I don't know. Twelfth twelfth man, literally. <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. home cooking. I, I've Our- never seen. I've never seen anything like it. He's just standing there, and he's like trying to get off the. I've never seen anything like it. He's <laughs> wild, dude. You just really never know. He's like, the, uh, he's such a wild card. I think Arkansas so is, I, I don't know if y'all agree with this, but I do think there's less things that we're talking about that they're doing wrong. Pittman kind of, he didn't say that, but there was just less, like, there's less direct criticism about how they're playing the game. It's like, okay, we need to do that and a little better and again. Like, they came up short this yeah. week. Like, they were playing better, but the result's still not what they wanted. And a lot of what... um Pittman had to say in his press conference yesterday was that, you know, things are looking better and he's proud of the effort and the passion, but like they have to be smarter before the snap. So I, it's, we're just talking about less moving because if we talked about it like week one or week two, we'd be like, well, where do we start? And now we kind of know where to start. It's just like, we got to yeah. clean up a little bit. And, and I don't want this to be like anti-Missouri because we moved back to A&M and Arkansas so quickly. Cause I think Missouri has proven a lot in the last two weeks, but beating Kansas state and, and Memphis is good you've got LSU and Georgia and Tennessee and Kentucky and Florida all coming up. And those are all prove it moments in the conference. If you're trying to compete for a conference title, Arkansas sort of, this is the, this is like one of their last chances to, to prove it. I will say this though. It, that was one of the most entertaining football games of the year. LSU, Arkansas, the rivalry, two good quarterbacks, lots of big plays. And it wasn't like 
terrible coverage, although I don't think LSU covered a tight end the entire game. Uh, the real <laughs> issue for me was the real issue for me was you got to score touchdowns in the red zone, Arkansas. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't in, in an in an NFL game, two for five is f- one of the worst numbers you can have in red zone efficiency. I know they kicked a few field goals. You win that game if one of those is a touchdown. Yeah. So like LSU you, wasn't giving those up. You and gotta finish driving the timeouts and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that it, red zone it, thing was brutal. Points per trip inside the red zone, not good for Arkansas in that game, Ever. but really, really enjoyable. Two great quarterbacks, really fun game. Uh, that I, that I, was the time for KJ to do the Superman at the at right. the one inch line. Unbelievable. One, the, yeah, that's the appropriate time to do it. <laughs> um, all right, Florida at Kentucky. I I love every. This is maybe the best game of the entire college football weekend potentially because we have no real clue what Kentucky is. They are one of only two teams uh, in the conference that is ranked in the top four in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They are number three on offense. They are number three on defense. Georgia's the other one who's number four on offense and number two on defense. That, of course, has come for both of those teams, technically, against a lot of questionable opponents. We don't know anything about them. Devin Leary made a couple of mistakes last week he shouldn't be making against a a bad opponent. This is... Kentucky's a two and a half point favorite. This rivalry has switched over the last few years since Mark Stoops has been in control. Bad Florida coaches might be a part of that as well. But I don't know what to make of this because Florida's playing good football, but Kentucky has the culture, the stability, the defense. The, the I think they got the better quarterback. I, I don't I I'm trying to come up with a reason to pick Florida on the road here. What's the spread? Did you already say it? Two and a half. Kentucky at home. Hmm, why to take make the case for florida just offensive line kentucky's been inconsistent up and down uh they've beaten nobody but cupcakes devin leary's not lived up to the hype mark stoops average coach average coach i mean okay. yeah he's great the greatest coach in kentucky history average he's, a, coach. he's a c c plus coach the, the the analytics show that and then graham mertz I've been wildly impressed. I mean, not that he's not like some amazing quarterback, but he's hell of a lot better than I thought he was. Uh, Aaron, you, do you agree? You're, who are you agree? What are you saying? I mean, you agree I, with like outright or against? I mean, no, no, no. You said you don't agree with that. What were your? Oh, oh I just meant that Mark Stoops is a C level, or like he gets yeah. a C in coaching. I can't. I mean, he's he's been able to to put something together and hold it together for I mean longer than we've ever seen in. I mean. My lifetime. He, I don't he, passed, he passed Bear Bryant. Yeah. Um, if I really – I can't pick Florida in this game. I'm going to pick Kentucky. Um, but I, I think there's some things that Florida's starting to do better. But, like, they have red zone issues as well. Um, they – you know, the defense played really well outside of, like, one bad possession this last week. Their special teams looked good. Like, I could, I could say things that Florida's improving on. Um, but I, you know, they're 11 yards per pass attempt. Like there's things that are getting better, but I still, I'm doing that because you, you asked us to make a case for Florida, Braden, not because I think it's going to be them. I think the case for Florida is very, very easy to make. Like Mike Mike did some of it too. I just think the way they beat Tennessee is how they have to try to beat Kentucky, which is to line up, slow the game down and just use the offensive line and that and those running backs and that really creative offense and all the pre-snap motion and try to confuse 
the, the defensive front for Stoops. The problem is the defensive front for Stoops is always extremely well coached, mm-hmm. fundamentally sound, in the right spot when they're supposed to be. I, I it's also think be close. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. I think this is a truly fascinating football game, and just no idea what's going to happen. Kentucky has more of sort of everything, though. They're they're more established culturally. They're better on defense. They're more established at the the weaponry. I just, but nothing would surprise me in this game. I I do want to talk Stoops, though, for a second, though, Mike, because I think you can, like, no one has taken more two stars and turned them into first round draft picks. Uh, No one has recruited at Kentucky better than Mark Stoops. And that's in the face of an athletic director, Mitch Barnhart, who refuses to give him NIL resources. No one has won more games at Kentucky. No one has turned Kentucky into a 10-win team multiple times in the last few years. Like, this is the state that all the facilities are completely upgraded. He's gotten everything he's needed from the, the athletic department, which has moved Kentucky football into the modern era, of which he is responsible. You can be all those things and be the greatest coach in Kentucky history and still not be better than, like, Kirby Smart or be good enough to win a national championship at Ohio State. Like, can't you? Isn't it okay to hold Stoops to a slightly different standard at Kentucky than to hold Nick Saban to? Doesn't that make sense? Just feels like there's a different ceiling. No, not to me, because what I use is something that uh, my buddy Dave Bartu, CFB Matrix, he's, and now he gets paid to do this for college programs all across the country. TLC, talent, location of the game. That's it. Very simple. That gives you a coaching grade. And all that measures is team A. Versus Team B, who has more talent, where the game's played, and it gives you a coaching grade. And he's been a coach down there for over 10 years, and he has a minus coach out, effect. Out, you said out, out coach is what you said. Is that what you said? I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Out coach. He's been out coached for 10 years. Yes. My, according okay. to the TLC, he's minus for his career. Well, so I'm a Bartu. I'm a, Bartu's when a friend. You, I, agree. When, I agree. When you beat Ball State, you don't get a plus. When you beat Florida, that has more talent than you, you get a plus. Which, you, he's, which he's done more than any Kentucky coach ever. When you lose to Vanderbilt that you out-recruit, you get a minus. So it's, it's a very, very simplistic – that's why I like it. I'm a simple-minded guy. But for 10 years, he's minus two. And he, he has. He's done a great job. He's raised the raised, – but I mean, we could sit here and, well, Sam Pittman, look what he took over. He's an A coach. No, he's not an A coach. Kirby, look what he took over. You know, I mean, I mean, we can what if this and and make specifics for this coach and that coach and this coach and that coach, but it's very simplistic. Talent location gives you a grade, and he's minus. So I'm not sitting here saying he's god awful and they should fire him or anything like that, but he it, rarely beats who's who's has more talent than him, and when he does, he drops one that he's which, not supposed to. Which coaches in the SEC have beaten consistently teams with more talent than them? Uh, well, there was a guy, uh, by the name of Mike Leach was, he's an all timer. Not not in the SEC. Yeah. He's what, he's one of the best of all time. Uh, there's no argument between his, in his career at Texas tech and Washington state. I agree. I'm Uh talking about in the SEC, Josh Heupel, uh, according to Bartu is a top 10 coach in the country right now based on his entire coaching grade. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't say, I don't ask this question because I know the answer. I'm actually asking it. How many p- true pluses does the Josh Heupel cons- have in the sec? Cause I can think of one, maybe two. Uh, well, last year he got several, he got at uh, LSU. That was LSU a big Bama. one. Bama was one. Uh, the pit game, I think on the road was another you, one. You, th- you think Pittsburgh has more talent than Tennessee. 
Uh, the, t- the team that got a tackle drafted in the first round, two receivers drafted. That in game the, was in the at first three rounds. Yeah, I think that was a plus. That's, I, I, that's, I'll have to reference ridiculous. what Bartu his metrics, but I believe that was a plus. No, no way. I like yeah. Dave Bartu. He's a friend. I mean, I'm, I'm not looking at time. at the thing, so I can't tell you. But according to their, and this is, I mean, again, he's not like a Tennessee fan. He he doesn't even watch the games, Braden. I, he I he, know. Proje- I he know. projects <laughs> the games in the preseason, and then his model tells him who's yeah. overachieving and who's underachieving. Heupel's a top 10 overachiever in the entire country. For his career, which includes UCF, when he had when, what he should have is more talent than everybody he's played against. This is not an anti Heupel or this is not an anti Heupel. I'm, I'm just asking the question. The question was how, how many teams, teams has he actually beat? Consistently beat teams that have more talent than them. And that's who in the SEC? Shane who? Beamer. Shane Beamer's not another one. Consistently, though. Well, not he's only been a head coach for like three doable. seasons. Like South Carolina wins games that they shouldn't win like a decent amount. Like they're one of those teams where you're like, don't write them off. Even if we're better than doesn't mean anything. Ole Miss is notoriously known for playing to their competition. Like I, I remember this from Vanderbilt Ole Miss matchups. If Ole Miss was, could be significantly better than Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt was there's, I can yeah. name several times being at the game when beat them. We're like, there's no way that should have happened. Like Ole Miss and South Carolina are both good examples. And at some points, Mississippi state under Mac, like under Mike Leach at certain points, but like it was not consistently. It was like, just like doing. Mike Leach. Yeah. Mike Leach roasted. By the way, Andrew, I'm a Tennessee graduate. I'm not really, uh, I don't, I don't, I try to call this thing objectively. Uh, Mike Leach going into LSU and destroying LSU on week one of the 2020 season, it would be a plus for Mike Leach. There's no, there's no question. Um, Lane Kiffin and Mark Stoops, I would put in pretty similar categories. Uh, and, and again, I'm not where these seasons go is, 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 is going to, you're allowed to change your opinion. But I, I think what's interesting is, like, Lane Kiffin had a 10-win season with Matt Corral. Really good team. Probably had some pluses on that on that schedule. I don't remember exactly the teams, that they, they but they didn't win the division. Same for Kentucky. They've had two 10-win seasons in the last few years. I, I, I assume they've had a few pluses on that schedule. They've had some losses. I, I think what you do at Kentucky and what you do at Ole Miss and what you do at Mississippi State are evaluated in very different ways than what you do at Georgia and Alabama. And frankly, Tennessee is, is like A&M. They should be in the top half. Auburn is in the top half. Those programs are evaluated based on recruiting in the top 15 and Kentucky and Missouri, although Missouri and Kentucky are better at recruiting lately, they, those teams don't have top 20 talent. Tennessee has way more talent than Pittsburgh. Just use your eyes. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, answer. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. I, that may. I may be wrong on, on that one. I, I like. I'm gonna look year, at the schedule right now. This year, did Florida have more talent? Did Florida have more talent than Tennessee this year? The answer is no. The answer is not. Is no. <laughs> the answer is definitely no. So that's a big old giant minus for Hypo and a big old plus for Napier. If that's as simple as we're gonna do it, which I think is stupid. I, I like Bartu's. Wait, metrics. no. Did His you just say no? No, 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 no. The Florida game would not have been a minus because that was at. You're you're missing a TLC, the location of the game, Florida. That, that was at Florida, so you you don't get a minus for that either. So as a seven point favorite, getting your 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 face crushed in mm-hmm. by a team with far less talent and a coach who's one year behind you in recruiting doesn't count as being out coached. And you're for, forget the metric because I love Dave Bartu. He's a very smart guy. He's got a great metric. Forget mm-hmm. that for a second. In your opinion, you don't think that's a minus for for Josh Heupel. I mean, I th- I significantly think he got out coached. Yes, okay. but I according to that metric, I don't I don't believe that's a minus because Florida 
and Tennessee are essentially equal in, in talent? Uh, no. Someone keeps touching their connection no. to the mic. Who is that? It, it, I think it's coming from East Tennessee. <laughs> no, no, it's been like Mike, that for. Don't get so couple, heated that you're punching the. the no, it's been like that for color. a couple. It's it's like that uh, for uh, just on the live stream, I believe. So anyway, just my OCD. Um, Everything's fine. Keep going. All right, who's taking who's taking Florida to win the game outright? Anybody? Um, I I may I don't know I haven't decided yet. I just. I picked Kentucky, but I think it's going to, it was not easy. And I, I think it's going to be extremely close. And so does Vegas. Florida is far more tested. That, that is one huge that's, advantage that's for the, point. for the Gators on the road against Utah defense uh, against Tennessee, way, way, way more tested, way more battle ready and prepared for this. Kentucky's at home. Uh, and I think is, again, I think Kentucky is better at most positions. A few of them, Florida has an advantage, but I think this is truly a 50, 50. I have no effing clue. This is going to come down to which direction a kick goes or a fourth down call or a turnover or a turnover. fumble. This is, I have no clue. No, we'll be, no, We will be talking about turnovers on Tuesday of next week. I think we learn more from this game than any other game this week in the SEC. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what, what would have to happen? Like, if Auburn or Mississippi State beat Georgia or Alabama, yeah. that, would, that would give us some real big learning. That's the only, those are the only two. If Ole Miss beats LSU, that would teach us a whole lot about LSU. But not as much as this. I don't know. I think we'll learn more from this game. I'm with you. Even then Ole Miss or LSU. You could watch one game this weekend. Which game are you watching? Tennessee, South Carolina. (laughs) Outside of your your fandom. (laughs) Uh, that's out, that's outside of my fandom, and that's what I would pick. South Carolina, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going Kentucky, Florida for sure. LSU, Ole Miss is fascinating because Vegas is tricking me. Vegas is playing mind tricks on my on me with this one. Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee. We haven't touched on that one. Um, Joe Milton, as I said at the beginning of the year, Joe Milton will be statistically, arguably, the best quarterback, the most productive quarterback in the conference, and Tennessee will still lose fewer or win fewer games. Uh, they have to beat South Carolina to do that this is revenge this is the halloween costume this is the whole deal are they doing a whole blackout for the crowd mike is that right yes sir because i think that is dumb as shit and here's my reason (laughs) it makes the the crowd look smaller it makes it look smaller i don't think the size of the appearance is what matters I i think it's how damn loud they are the loudness is critical but if you look at a orange and white checkerboard or a whiteout versus a blackout the crowd looks less intimidating in person. It's why you wear black on I've, camera instead of white. I've been there. I've seen it. You can't see the people. It, I've been to games in blackouts and whiteouts. It doesn't look as intimidating. And maybe that's a small factor. I'm just pointing it out. I think it's stupid to do the blackout. It intimidated the hell out of Kentucky last year. I'll tell you that. They were fucking rattled. <laughs> and the quarterback was all banged up. Uh, 12 and a half point spread. Spencer Rattler only had two incompletions last week in the, the shootout against Mississippi state. He has played very, very 14 yards per attempt is absurd. That's a very efficient football from the South Carolina quarterback. Yep. Xavier Leggett is making himself a lot of money right now, uh, for South Carolina. I, I, I don't know if Tennessee's got the personnel to pressure him. That's my question. If they can run the football on def- on offense and pressure Spencer Rattler, then I then I think Tennessee wins fairly easily and they exercise some demons. But this is a battle. Yeah, and South Carolina has shown improvements in like the run game. Like they they did not have a bad week. Like actually, 
running the ball. I was, I mean, and then it, for Spencer Radler to like uh, to throw another like interceptionless game, but still be a little bit banged up from you know being sacked. I mean, there's definitely significant improvements for South Carolina. So I think it is closer. I think it's going to be a closer game than I thought it would have been three weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. I'm curious. How would you attack South Carolina because they can't stop the run? And you got an elite running attack, and they just I, gave up 500 yards to Will Rogers. I, I'm kind of, I don't know which way I I'd, think it, I'd go. I think it plays right into Heupel's hands, right? Because Heupel's game is super wide splits, pound the football between the tackles, and then take your shots over over the top with your weird stack combinations out wide. I think that is actually the problem for South Carolina because a lot of those shots that Will Rogers took. Uh, which is what we've been asking about the new Mike, the new uh, uh, Barbe offense for Mississippi State is: Are they going to go down the field? Well, they did, and South Carolina didn't cover anybody. Right. <laughs> so, so I think it plays into Tennessee's hands to run, run, like hammer the inside of that defense, and then take your shots just like they're used to. I think it plays right into Tennessee's offensive strategy, in, in my opinion. How old do you think this plump strawberry man is? Because he's he's <laughs> mad about them jerseys and oh. only only ten year olds do that. Like this is supposed to be fun. I don't know if it's, you guys have it's a, it's clued game, into right? this yet. I'm trying to be entertaining here. Or I mean, we could I could just read stats and be boring as shit and just you know not say anything <laughs> crazy and no one would tune in. So uh, I, I don't I don't know I don't I don't get those people. Is it a game? Is it a game we're playing? Are Why we, are the socks so high? The socks should only go. Two inches above your ankle. You know, I mean, he's probably one of those damn guys, too. Uh, also, if you do hand gestures in, in the stadium, it's not a penalty. Let the fucking <laughs> kids have fun. Let them do horns down. Let them it, let a let a Tennessee player do the Gator chomp. Let if a, if if Barry and Brown scores a touchdown this week, I want him to do the Gator chomp so that we can talk about it next week about how stupid it is. I that love that's that. A, that. That's a penalty. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It's a game. Let him have fun. Yeah. It's a fun game. Bring on every bring on every targeting regulation in the world and let them celebrate after they score, please. Sellies for life. Uh, here's what I will say about the Smoky Grays. That orange thing across the top, gotta go. That thing's gotta go. The Smoky Grays <laughs> look awesome. The Smoky, I love, I love the, the Smoky Grays. I love grays. the Smoky Gray. I love the helmet. I like the whole thing. It looks awesome. Whatever they whatever that shit they put on their shoulder pads this year, that was some dumb shit. I'm not into Sorry. it either. Sorry. Are you okay? What do you think about that take? Is that a fair take? Mike, was it wasn't that to honor Conridge Holiday? How dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> oh damn! Well, when you put it that way, I guess you hate progress. Okay, I, I, I yep, I hate integration, Mike. That's me. <laughs> God. <laughs> On that note, I'm a regular George Wallace supporter. Let's go, boys. Please, no one take this out of context. Uh, okay, what else we got? Uh, I think that's about it for the whole entire conference. I, I just love that we're into we're fully into conference play, and we're ready to roll, man. Uh, Arkansas's Wait, offensive let, line. Let me ask you guys this real quick. What I because I think this game Tennessee South Carolina. I I meant to say this, but I forgot because I got so fired up. I think it goes one of two ways. I think Tennessee wins by like twenty twenty five points, or South Carolina kicks a field goal like as time expires and breaks everybody's heart. At the, I think yeah. it, it's one of two ways for me. Let me ask you guys this. In that situation, let's say South Carolina kicks a field goal with like a minute and a minute to go, and, they, and, and the hearts appear to be broken. Mm -hmm. Do you trust 
Nico, Joe, do you trust <laughs> Joe? Do you trust Joe Milton down by? You need a touchdown to win. You need a score to win. The way Hendon Hooker could deliver for them when they needed him to, especially against Bama. Do we trust Joe Milton in that situation? I mean, he can throw it ninety yards, so hell yeah. But I mean, he'll get sacked twice by before he can uncork that one. You know what? So I, I guess no. I mean, I think it's more like, do I trust the whole system to be able to do that? I mean, Milton can get the ball there. Um, we know that, but I think I would need to see a little bit more. Um, just need a little bit more of that, like clutch into the game moments to be able to say that Tennessee could pull that off with a minute I, left. I, I think I think you're right, Mike and, and Aaron too. I think that they either beat the shit out of them. Because South Carolina just defensively is not there. The offensive line can't protect Rattler. And Tennessee runs the football and hits a few big plays over the top. I think that's all very logical. But, man, if it's close in the fourth quarter, that stadium will be puckered up. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know how much they trust the offense to deliver when it has to. It was easy for Milton to kind of end the running game to find some rhythm against Florida on the road in the second half because they were playing with no pressure. They were playing from behind the entire time. But... You go. You have the lead, and then you go down in the fourth quarter. That's a different. That's a different beast altogether. So, to your point, Braden, should they? Should all the fans wear not only the black but underneath it? Maybe depending on where you're sitting, an orange or a white shirt, so they could take them off at halftime and checker. That way, <laughs> in they case can see the crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just telling it. you. I'm just telling you, uh, smart ass motherfucker. I've been inside many stadiums. <laughs> that are blacked out and many stadiums that are white out. And I've been on the field for those games. And I will tell you which one looks way more intimidating, looks louder, looks bigger, feels like it's on top of you, especially at Neyland where it is literally on top of you. It ain't the one with black shirts on. No, it's not. It I totally agree. Did you have your glasses on that, that day? I have contacts in second grade. Thank you. Mm. Um, Eric says, Hey now, Braden, don't be hating on my Vols smoky grays with the orange shoulder pads. Those are fire. Here's the deal. If that's the only way Tennessee can come up with a way to honor Connor's holiday, well, they got a, a new, statue out there too. Then you then you need a new create create media creations department or whatever. You, you need something different because the Smoky Grays were perfect <laughs> before, and there's a million ways you can honor the first black quarterback in the SEC. Okay. Yeah, leave a good thing alone. Don't mess with my Smoky Grays. They're they look great. <laughs> <laughs> Good shirt talk, says Andrew. That's right. That's what you come here for. Tune in every single every single every single Tuesday at one p.m. for shirt talk. Shirt talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, are, talk do about we like the, do, we, do we like the Kentucky uh, mirror helmets? That's a question. I like them. The, the chrome. Nah, they're too. Eh. I said holiday fireball. <laughs> there, it, it seems like they're trying to be too organy when in those. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I don't fan like. Of them. Like they're too trendy. I don't yeah. mind them. And they I, don't seem to play well in them. That's. I like that's the another white, problem. I like the storm. I like. I like all the stormtrooper storm tro- yeah, trooper uniforms. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee. I like. Like the, I like Mississippi. Mississippi State's uniforms last week were awesome. Yeah, I like those too. Uh, the the gray pants and the white tops with the white helmets. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome. Uh, big fan. Uh, Tennessee, I, I like them to win big. I like LSU. I like Kentucky. I think Texas A&M's off defensive line does the job. I don't think Auburn or Mississippi State can challenge. Anybody pulling a big upset this weekend? Missouri losing to Vanderbilt? No. Mississippi State? You're picking Mississippi State to win outright. I, don't know, I haven't okay. decided yet, but I think it's possible. No, no, you need to say right now on the air. <laughs> 
I think they're going to have a real problem covering Jalen Milrow when he takes off and runs, but that so that could be an issue. And You're I don't not know how picking ma- Mississippi State outright. Pick them to win, you coward. I, I just say I won't be surprised if they do it. How about that? What a puss cake. Yes, you will. Decaying dynasty. Put something on the line then. Trademark. All right, my stomach's growling. All right. Step this up. <laughs> Settle down over there, Dukes. <laughs> 14 point. I will say this. Uh, three games under a touchdown point spread, and the and the other four that look like blowouts on paper, all under 14 points or less. Yep. So we are into it, and we are into a season where I think we're going to see a ton of games, as I've said before, between five and eight point spreads that we're not going to know a whole lot about either of the teams going in. And right now we still have a lot to learn about a lot of these teams. So we will be back. Conridge Holloway. Get a Snickers. The love of God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike, Fair where enough. can people find you? Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, right right here, I guess. Uh, SEC Mike, I guess. I don't know. I'm there the Aaron go. Dugan on Twitter, Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram. And you Carl, I will, I will grab a Snickers. Thank you for that. <laughs> Mike, you are horrible at picks. That's the way we're going to end it. Have a great weekend. Enjoy week number five. Make sure you check out all the shows from that SEC podcast. And if you want to see some game previews, uh, come on over to the 440 Sports platform as well at 440 Sports. Uh, next next week, and pants. Talk. Y'all have a good weekend, everybody. Bye.